Remember a couple of shows ago, we told you about Heidi Prisbola, who went on MSNBC and said that Christians and Christian nationalists aren't the same things because Christian nationalists believe their rights come from God, and that's dangerous. Well, she's walked that back. Quote, due to some clumsy words, I was interpreted by some people as making arguments that are quite different from what I believe. Excerpts of what I said were promoted widely in some political circles by some activists whose primary objection, I'm sure, was not my television appearance, but my coverage in Politico about the tactics and agenda of political activists who subscribe to a philosophy they call Christian nationalism. So, she's sorry, but it's not her fault. It's your fault because you're an idiot and you didn't understand what she said. Man, times are great right now. It's the Comment of Family Matters show. Yeah, so, I mean, clumsy words. We're, we're still efforting the definition to determine if words can be clumsy. Can they themselves be clumsy, or is it the clumsy usage of said words? Well, it's, it, it, Z's themselves can be clumsy. Welcome in. It's the Friday edition of the program. It's Friday, March the 1st, in the year of our Lord, 2024. Ding! Congratulations. You made it the month of March. You made it close to spring. The groundhog told us we were getting an early spring. Yes, spring has sprung, and you know what that means? Scratchy voices Yellow everywhere. Snow. Just <laughs> like mine <laughs> I've complained a lot. I'm going to continue to complain, and you're going to continue to complain having to listen to this. Yes, that's it's fair. pollen season. It's also March Madness to all of you who celebrate. So I think a lot of people in Columbia are celebrating more than normal this year. So Yeah. Uh, exciting times, a lot to get to, and we start inside the Senate. Uh, the Help Not Harm bill inside the Senate. That bill has moved from the House, uh, passed bipartisanly in the House, now moving over to the Senate. Senate Medical Affairs Committee met, what was it, two, three times? The subcommittee, subcommittee. met three times, and then the full committee met once. The full committee met once. I was there for the full committee. I know. Whew. Riveting. Um, so there are sometimes, by the way, it was voted It was voted out of committee, and it now heads to the Senate floor. Yes. Uh, Ten votes in favor of a favorable report to the Senate floor, six against. There were, I, so there weren't many people in the room that feel as you and I do. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. Wasn't a lot of, wasn't a lot of people in favor of the bill in that room. Um, Here's what I'll say. Thank you to all of you that work for a living. Yes. We we encourage you to be here. (laughs) Thank you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I work. saying the quiet part out loud today. Oh, oh, look at you. I see what you did there. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was getting paid to be there. Yeah, you were. That's uh, good. Um, <laughs> we encourage you to be at the State House to show up and, and let your voice be heard, but when we understand able. that you can't always be here. Because you're paying someone else's bills. Anyway, see what I did there? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, so the bill passed. Wasn't a lot of weren't a lot of folks there in favor of the bill. There were a few of us, and those of us who were in favor of the bill just sat back and just listened to the process. We listened to the sound of a sausage maker, mm-hmm. and sometimes the sound of a sausage maker makes you want to take a rusty spoon and dig out your eyeballs. But on another level, when I I might disagree. 
with several people on that committee and their characterizations of other senators on the committee, mm-hmm. the legislation itself, or the very topic of debate at the moment. I might disagree with them, and I typically do, and it was possible that my, and, and you guys can't see us because we're audio only, but Mitch, look at me. This is, this was my face from at times. Yeah. That's my face sometimes because it things are said that don't make any sense, but you'll, I don't think you'll ever find me laughing openly in a committee hearing when a senator says something. Yeah. Unless yeah. they say something funny Unless, that's meant to be a joke right, and everyone laughs. Right, That happens. But for the most part, there should be some level of respect for the institution and some level of respect for the process. Yeah. And at that point, it got to a point where Chairman uh, Danny Verdon had to issue a stern... Stern? Is that the word we want to use? It, I don't know. Is there, is there a word harder than stern? Sternly warn both of those in attendance and some senators on the committee that things were going a bit too far. Now, the bill, I will tell you this, there were four amendments going into the day in the committee. We went through two of them. Both of them were not added to the bill. And then the other two were withdrawn and will be brought forward on the floor. So clean bill. Clean bill out of committee, which is always good. And now that will head to the Senate floor, where I do believe, again, we, we shall see. But just based on raw math, I do believe that the numbers bear out a good, a, 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 a good result could be coming when that bill gets debated on the floor. But again... Mitch, I think the thing we need to remember is if you watch these committee hearings or if you hear local news coverage of this bill, please remember what the thrust of the bill is. The intent of the legislation is to prohibit doctors from prescribing puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, or performing quote-unquote gender-affirming care, genital mutilation, or top surgery on minors or anyone 26 and under if they are on Medicaid because that's a state plan and that's just basic common sense. The government shouldn't be paying for child mutilation, which by definition is harmful uh, actions upon a child. That's the thrust of the bill. But do you know what we spent a majority of our time listening to yesterday in that committee hearing for two hours? Not that. Not that. You know what I heard a lot about? Teachers. Teachers. Students. Yep. I heard a lot about teachers shouldn't have to out or, excuse me, rat out their students. Oh, 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 oh. And the danger that parents uh, could be. My favorite was, let's say, and this is again, I'm going off of the, the, the line of questioning here. Let's say a student is keeping this a secret from their parents because they don't want their parents to know. Number one, problem. The school shouldn't be lying to the parents. The, the Kids shouldn't be lying to Would the, the parents. Would the school be held? If the, if the school then tells the parent and the parent does something that brings harm upon the child, who is held responsible? And my simple answer to that is the person who committed a crime. Yeah. If the parent commits a crime, the parent is held liable and will be charged with a crime. It's not that hard. No. It's not that hard. Again, we always talk about the frame. Keep this within the frame. And I said this uh, on on a group text that we were mm-hmm. that we were on, and I withheld saying this on Twitter because or X because I was doing an actual informational thread, and I didn't want to add too much commentary. The simple fact is, 
that, and I'm going to just say it honestly, we're a nonpartisan organization, but the Democrats on the committee, and possibly a Republican, in their line of questioning, were, were talking about things that did not matter and were ancillary to the bill. They matter, but they're ancillary to the bill. Yeah. And why is that? Here's your reason. Because no one in their right mind on God's green earth can sit up there behind a microphone being voted on by their constituents and say, quote, I support the mutilation of children's genitals, end quote. None of them will do that. No. Because they know it's wrong. Now they might get up there and use the Orwellian euphemistic newspeak language of, I support gender affirming care, or as the senator from Orangeburg has said, we need to let just children be who they're who they're supposed to be or who they're born to be. They yeah. use the euphemistic language. We agree. We agree. I that agree with you. Be, you know, they're all made in the image of God, and their sex is a God given gift. We went into we, we went into private and home. We went into a private public school debate yesterday in, in that in that committee hearing. It made no sense. We had swipes taken at homeschoolers. We had swipes Christian taken schools. at Christians, and you're just like, what are we doing? Can we not just debate a piece of legislation as it is? And I love when we lob a lob one of those like smacks out there, and then when called out on, it's like, oh, that certainly wasn't my intent. No way. I never. If you took it that way, I shame on you. Well, not shame on you. I'm so sorry you took it that way. I'm so sorry that you were offended. Which is mm. that's. I think that's called gaslighting. Um. So that's what happened in the Senate yesterday. Riveting riveting time actually i kind of enjoyed it because i'm weird uh, um but i didn't and i did enjoy being able to chat with a few of uh, a few of the folks who you would deem to be opposite of mm-hmm. our sure of our persuasion and and uh, maybe who knows maybe i'll appear on a documentary who knows i'll be mm-hmm. in the background i did wave at the camera but uh, Hi, we'll see we'll see uh if if i make an appearance or or if our friends who are sitting uh, uh, alongside me make an appearance. But again, help not harm, heading to the Senate floor uh, in the next couple of weeks, and we will see uh, where it goes from there. A lot of other news to get to today, and all of it is on a national level. A new piece, Mitch, was published in The Atlantic this week, and the piece floated the idea that there might be room for House Democrats to do something unprecedented. Do you know what that would be? Unprecedented? You know what that would be? Democrats have never done this. Tell me. They say that there could be precedent for them to vote against certifying President Trump's reelection bid if he wins. The article, written by staff writer Russell Berman, argued that if the Supreme Court declined to weigh in on whether Trump is eligible to run for office under the 14th Amendment, then House Democrats could take it upon themselves to vote against certifying him as it's up to them then to say he's ineligible. Now I thought there was no chance he was going to win. Uh-huh. I, I, thought, they... I thought I thought that voting against the certification of a presidential elect was tantamount to was tantamount to insurrection. I, I thought that it was a threat to our democracy. And I thought there was no constitutional like way that that could be done. Well, legal scholars say <laughs> Which ones? That absent clear guidance from the Supreme Court, a Trump win could lead to... What's the phrase? What's the phrase? A Trump win could lead to... Unprecedented? A constitutional, constitutional crisis naturally. in Congress. Democrats would have to choose between confirming a winner many believe is ineligible and defying the will of oh, the voters who elected right. that, it. That, that, that tiny word that's been intentionally used for over three years now, the word 
insurrectionist. Berman continued. Intentionally. That, that, quote, in interviews, senior House Democrats would not commit to certifying a Trump win, saying they would do so only if the court affirms his eligibility. Since when do the Democrats in the House care about the Supreme Court this much? Mm, probably but since... Dur- no, never mind. But during oral arguments, liberal and conservative justices alike seem to incline to dodge the question of his eligibility altogether. Oh, I remember. It's when they were fighting to keep slavery around. He also noted that, quote, Democrats have a serious chance of winning a majority in Congress in November, so they would have the power to do something. And that is true. I think that needs to be kept in mind. We're in a we're in a banana republic if we've ever been in one right now. Where the Republicans right now have a razor thin majority. Is it one seat? Is it two? One one right now. By the way, what how's 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 that George Santos thing working out? Anyway, it's a one seat majority. Very likely the House would lose or the Republicans would lose the House majority, but they could gain a Senate majority. Here's the thing, even if even if Democrats win a majority in the House, unless it's a far and away lead, you still need to have enough senators to vote along with that to, to not certify the election. And as far as I can know, Mitt Romney's not going to be there in that new Congress. So I don't think you'd have much of a problem. That, that's a real shame. Mm. I know. Berman asked Adam Schiff, Schiff, sorry, I did a Sean Hannity, currently a leading contender for the U.S. Senate in California, what would happen if the Supreme Court declined to weigh in? He said, I do not want to get in the chaos hypothetical. He, although he did note that if the court said Trump was eligible, he would certify the election. Hold him to that. Representative James Clyburn dodged the question, but blasted Trump saying, I think he's an insurrectionist. Can we get James Clyburn on the line? Can, we're going to put out a request. We'd to bring love him, to have you on our I'm show. I'm going to put out a request to his office to have him on for an interview, and I want him to define the term insurrectionist, and then I want him to explain to me how somebody can be one if they've never been charged with the crime. And I'll be waiting. Jamie Raskin said uh, uh, he gave a cryptic response, uh, adding there was blood all over the Capitol in the hypothetical you posit. I'm sorry, what? What? By the way, Berman also mentioned how legal scholars filed an amicus brief, that's a friend of the court brief, to the Supreme Court, noting that if the justices don't decide on Trump's eligibility, it is a certain that members of Congress would try to disqualify him. Now... Zoe Lofgren, Democrat of California, said she might be inclined to do that. And Lofgren's uh, people actually wrote a clarifying statement um, saying uh, that uh, she would vote to disqualify Trump if the Supreme Court doesn't. Um, And she wanted the full context of that. What I find interesting, you ready for this, Mitch? Let's just play the game. Donald Trump wins election in November. He's president-elect. Can you imagine him visiting the White House and Joe Biden doing a peaceful transfer of power? Then, as we all know, the election then has to be certified. Democrats are openly talking about not certifying an election on the following date, January 6th, 2025. What an ironic... I mean, I got nothing else for you. I mean... Play writers couldn't write this script. Right. The best TV sitcom guys couldn't write this script. This is this is perfect. This is a perfect encapsulation of, of hypocrisy at its evil, um, most damning height. 
Yeah. We are living in an absolute banana republic. The president of the United States has had his FBI is arresting journalists who are covering the insurrection on January 6th. Like he covered it. Mm-hmm. He covered it. And they just they just arrested him. They just had him turn himself in. He's got he got hauled off away in handcuffs. A journalist. That was I was told that only happened in Russia. I was told Vladimir Putin was the bad guy. Are we the baddies? I don't know. So we got we've got a we got that guy who's trying to arrest all of his opposition and throw the leader of the opposition in jail. Meanwhile, we have you ready for this? We have uh we have the folks prosecuting him in Georgia engaged in the very actions that they are prosecuting him for. Like, hmm. the very definition of the racketeering charge against him could be made against Fonnie Willis in Atlanta. <laughs> but she'll stand up and say the only reason we're bringing this up is because she's a black woman. Hmm. Then Democrats, who for the last three-plus years have, have decried our sacred democracy and how a bunch of Midwestern grannies walking through the Capitol was, was going to destroy everything. By the way, they came back a couple hours later and certified the election. Joe Biden's been president ever since, as far as I know. I mean, I just wake up every day. Now they're saying that they will do the exact same thing they're mad at Ted Cruz for and Josh Hawley for. You don't you don't think you honestly don't think there are going to be Democrat protesters or leftist protesters on January 6th outside that certification if Donald Trump's going to be the next president? You don't think they're going to protest that? I want I wonder what the language from that stage would be from President Biden. Oh, Go on home. There you go. Drink That's your, it. Drink your insurer. That's it. Watch Matt Law. If he's if he's still around. Hey, hey, hey. He might have been removed from the ticket by that point. That. that. That's what I was saying. Oh. Oh. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. All right. So that's the hypocrisy there. We have other news in the Senate. But this, wait, there's more. This broke uh, February 28th is when it broke. We're just getting around to it today because it broke after we uh, recorded our show on Wednesday. Oh, boy. Mitch McConnell. Um, Don't you say it. Just Mitch McConnell. We'll go with that. Oh, Sandwich Mel. his name. Sandwich Mel. No, Cocaine Mitch. Oh, you weren't supposed to say it. Oh, it's fine. He, um, a Kentucky Republican. You've turned full Sean Hannity today. 17 year uh, in, in Senate leadership. He's been a member of the Senate. He was elected in 1984. Holy moly. And so he started serving in 85. So he was a spry 40, and um, he has had several bouts of freezing up. It's uh, it's interesting. Nancy Pelosi, 82, said, I'm too old to be House Minority Leader. Mitch McConnell, 82, said, I'm too old to be Senate Minority and Leader. Joe Biden's, Joe Biden's 81 going, I'm running again. Uh, a lot of debate over Mitch McConnell's legacy. Uh, and who he is now again i would argue that is he the most conservative person out there nope is he the most liberal person out there no not at all uh he's been sucked into this whole ukraine thing which you can have your opinions on but i think mitch mcconnell's lasting legacy could very well be in the aftermath of antonin scalia's death where he held up the nomination of merrick garland to the supreme court and Mm. thank you mitch mcconnell i just you just deserve a clap just a clap could you imagine if that demagogue was on the Supreme Court? You see what Merrick Garland's doing right now to Catholics and Christians across this country? Imagine if he was Supreme Court Justice Merrick Garland. That would have been that would have been President Obama's lasting legacy. How many justices did 
President Obama get confirmed to the bench? Any? Sotomayor? And Kagan. And Kagan. Did he get both? So he'd have gotten three. And that would have been a switch. That would have been a, conserv- a, a conservative seat to a liberal seat. Instead, That's we a, got Gorsuch. Instead, you got Gorsuch. Yep. Which paved the way for Kavanaugh and then right. Amy Coney Barrett. Um so I think that's Mitch McConnell's lasting legacy, but we also have to look at this as a changing of the guard. We were talking about this in terms of South Carolina politics. Right. We were at the governor's, we were at the prayer breakfast, pardon me, there is no governor in that title now. We were at the prayer breakfast, the governor was speaking, and, and you know, we noted, we noted it's his last term, you know, he's not going to be governor in a couple years, and he is older, and there yeah. are several members of the Senate and the House that are older, yeah. more so the Senate. That are older. Uh, my, my state senator Nikki Setzler has announced mm-hmm. that he's retiring. He'll, he's not seeking re-election. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a younger guy from the House running for that seat on that side of the aisle. There's a changing of the guard across yeah. many across many uh, landscapes, including South Carolina politics and now and now national politics. Because Mitch McConnell leaving does open the door for they're talking about the three Johns possibly um, mm-hmm. taking control. Whether it's John Thune. Whether it's John Bassaro or Barrasso, Barrasso or John Cornyn, now all three of them would probably have a heritage score probably around sixty, which is right on par with where Mitch McConnell is. Yeah, I will make this point: all of them are equal in in political view to President Trump. Yeah, I think they're all moderates. Yeah. Now, I a lot How of people. How dare you? A lot of people. Listen, President Trump's the most conservative President Trump ever. You're going to get me in trouble. I've already got an email that I haven't even showed you yet. Um, oh. <laughs> so, so thanks for that. Um, there, just because someone's your favorite senator doesn't mean that you're going to do a good job in leadership. The leadership position, whether majority or minority leader, is to keep the keep the caucus together. Keep everyone in line. Whip votes. Whip votes and raise money. That's probably number one. Ted Cruz is a good senator. Would he be a good minor- majority or minority leader? I don't know. Mike Lee. Mike Lee. He's super conservative. Rand Paul. Marco. I've heard that name. Marco Rubio. I've heard Josh Hawley. I've heard Tom Cotton. I've heard... Name your favorite senator here. And, I mean, I, there's another name that people are missing that probably won't get selected, but there is some uh, legitimate time spent in the Senate. That, you know what, I think I think I think I know who the next Senate Majority Leader should be. Is he from Louisiana? Nope. Oh, I was getting excited for Chuck Grassley. Chuck. Everyone Grassley. wants to go younger, go older, man. Nineties, the new eighty. <laughs> Real History Channel. Go with Chuck Grassley. <laughs> How it's made. Oh, coming up next Chuck, time. Chuck Grassley. Give me modern have marvels. You seen, have you seen his vacuum that he uses in his house? No. Oh, it's like from the it's 70s. Like, oh, is it the yeah. one that, with the four wheels on I, the floor? Yes. Yes, the it is. The giant hose that yes. comes out. Yes, it is. Yes. And he does an ice cream, 99 county ice cream tour of Iowa. It's great. I think I, I officially support Chuck Grassley for uh, Senate Majority Leader. So, uh, Bon Voyage for, in the leadership role for Mitch McConnell. Of course, he's staying around. He's not He's not going anywhere yet. He's going to run for re-election. He'll, he'll win. And um, he's the more moderate senator from Kentucky. I don't think there's any question. John Cornyn's the more moderate senator from Texas. His name's been mentioned as a possible um, as a possible uh, leader uh, in the Senate. So we'll see what happens. But Mitch McConnell, at the age, at the ripe old age of 82, is stepping down from leadership and, just, and foreshadowing a change in the party. What you just said, I'm I'm curious. I want to ask you just off the cuff. In both cases, in Kentucky and Texas, you said that the senior member is the more moderate. Yes. 
and the juniors the more conservative in both cases? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because they grow more moderate over time or that we replaced moderate members with more conservative well, members? Well, I'm try- I don't I don't the- remember who the I don't remember who Neither Ted do I. replaced. I don't know who Rand replaced. Neither do I. Um I don't think they moderate over time because Rand's not exactly young. No, he's been there a while. And I mean, Ted's not exa- Ted's not exactly young. They've both been there at least close to ten years. Yeah, it gotta be a, um, nearly a decade. So I don't I don't necessarily think it's uh you grow I don't think it's you grow more moderate. I think Elon Musk said it best. Jeez, I can't believe I used that phrase. He he tweeted a graphic and it had left, right, and center. You know, and and and, and somebody's on the center. And you've got a person who's on the wide left and the wide right. But over time, we look at where it is now, and the left is now further left than it's ever right. been. And the right pretty much stayed the same. But because the left has gone so far left, now the person who's the moderate is like right there with the right. Sure. So that's how it looks. I, I do Again, I don't believe that John Cornyn or Mitch McConnell or neocons, I, I, I don't believe that. And and I don't be, and again I'm sorry I just don't believe that Nikki Haley is some elitist liberal I I just don't I I think that um, they're more moderate in their views but they're not Democrats they're, they're they're not they're not leftists right that that just that isn't a thing and again I will contend with you that what Donald Trump says in a rally is very different than how he governs I have four mm-hmm. years to prove it I have four years to prove it. In fact, I would tell you that Mitch McConnell might be more conservative than Donald Trump. At least on the pro-life side. Boy, if, if that email was bad. I'm sorry, I have data. You're digging a hole, man. I think this I think these conversations are good. And I'm not throwing I'm not casting aspersions on anybody cuz I believe Donald Trump's conservative. I just believe he's more of the moderate side. And I and and that's okay. That probably that's why he's so effective. Yeah, because he's able to moderate and he's able to bring in the moderates. Why do you think that independents are going to gravitate toward Trump more? Because I, Joe Biden's going far left, and Trump's like, I'm just here in the middle, and, and I'm conservative. I teach a government class, um, and yesterday we were talking through the executive branch of government at the federal level, and mm-hmm. um, I decided to show a day in the life of two different presidents. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was a week in the life of Joe Biden mm-hmm. and a day in the life of. Uh, was it like two and a half days of President Trump um, and George Stephanopoulos? That's oh. when they, and at the very end, they did the sit down where uh, Trump calls Stephanopoulos, uh, you're being a wise guy. You're being a wise guy. <laughs> um, but one of the things that my my uh, class is, you know, we kind of did a post evaluation of the, the, the show uh, as Stephanopoulos did it. And they're like, I can't believe President Trump sat down with him because right. he was being really, like, really rude at times. And, and George Stephanopoulos is not a guy that I would say is, you know, just ridiculously bulldog rude. I mean, he, he said several things that, you know, they weren't, they were immovable. Right. Trump, President Trump is talking about this. Stephanopoulos is talking about this. They're not moving. But I thought, I find it fascinating that President Trump and potential President Trump has um, talked with some very interesting people. He, you're right. He tends to talk with people of different backgrounds, and he doesn't change what he's saying when he talks to people. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I mean, one thing about President Trump is whether he's consistently inconsistent. Right. 
he's consistent in that. Yes. I mean, he's he says the he's same thing to pretty much everybody. So yeah, I agree. You're wrong. And again, that's not that's not a bad thing. And I want to make sure people understand no. that I think I think being slightly crazy and also a, a moderate in, in a lot of areas is helpful to you. Just saying. And some would say a genius. Yeah, it's it's he's one of the greatest politicians of our time. And the fact is, you've got to understand that he I, he went from being on the Apprentice to being president without ever holding a single office or running for any other position. Like that's 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 a politician's politician. Uh, a couple more things before we get out of here. Uh, the first, uh, let's start with uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James. Letitia James tweeted this yesterday, quote, Masterpiece Cake Shop, a Colorado bakery, refused to make a customer a cake when they found out it was to celebrate her transition. This bakery has discriminated against LGBTQ plus people before, and I'm urging the Colorado Supreme Court to stop this transphobic demonstration or discrimination. One thing I will note: Colorado's not New York. Stay in your own lane, uh, lady. How do you know that's exactly what I was about to say? She continues: It's not complicated. Denying services to someone simply because of who they are is discrimination, and it's illegal. I will always fight to protect the rights of our LGBTQ plus community and any community that faces discrimination or hate of any kind. But then you get the reader's note. Oh, dear. Is there a fact? The same customer also asked for a cake with a cake topper described as, quote, a large figure of Satan doing an unspeakable thing to a certain object. A working model that can be turned on before we unveil the cake. So, shockingly enough, having already been validated by the Supreme Court and winning his case, leftists continue to try to impugn Jack yeah. and what he does with the Masterpiece Cake Shop. Just go get someone else to, to make the cake. It, nope. It's not that hard. Got to prove a point. It's not that hard. And number two, he's not doing this just because they're gay or just because they're transgender. And then, and again, I will say, this teeters very closely to me wanting to go into the conversation surrounding Alistair Begg. He's well within his right to say, you know what? As a Christian, I'm not gonna bake a cake and then put a Satan wedding topper on the or cake topper on the top of it. I'm not right. gonna do that. In the same way, every single person who does this, and including Letitia James, would literally have their hands scalding hot if I asked him to pull the Bible. <laughs> they wouldn't like that. In fact, they'd hate it. But because this man has chosen to make a stand not because he hates people. I don't think this has anything to do with hating transgender people. But if you need a cake to celebrate your transition, bake it yourself. Yeah. Or find someone else to do it. That was my Joe Biden impression. So Letitia James weighing in there. And then one final thing on the program today before we get out of here. Here's some... I don't know how many stars they are. I can't really tell. They got a lot of buttons. Here's this guy talking to other members of the military. All too often, I hear leaders talk about providing everyone with dignity and respect like it's an aspirational goal. That's not good enough. Dignity and respect is the bare minimum. It's the floor of where we can be. We must set our sights higher 
and focus on intentional inclusivity because there are still far too many people out there, not just LGBTQ individuals, that feel marginalized, shut out, or discriminated against. So for all of you out there, I ask you to set out your symbols of pride, share your pronouns in your email, particularly if you're a person who doesn't think they need to, initiate difficult conversations about racial and gender barriers, and share a bit of a vo your vulnerability in a way that draws others in. You all have the power to take intentionally inclusive actions to ensure the multiple perspectives that we know make us stronger as we devise winning warfighting strategies get heard. We're going to lose every other war we ever participate in. So long as and we soon, let people like that and at the soon, front. And soon, well, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Yeah, we will. By the way, dignity and respect is the bare minimum How now. dare you not address yourself by your own pronouns? Isn't it interesting that in... Well, we just... It's, it, it's classic. What do you mean we can't be in a civil union? Why do you care? What do you mean we can't get married? Why do you care? What do you mean we can't dress up in drag? Why do you care? What do you mean we can't wear... We can't force your kids to go to Drag Queen Story Hour and teach them about weird sex stuff? They beat the drum of it's none of your business until you believe it. And now it's, oh, yeah, if you're in the military, the most important part of warfighting strategies is to share your pronouns. You know what? I want to write your pronouns on a bomb that I drop on people. The military's job is to do two things. Um, yeah, we all know end, that. End the enemy's lives and break things. I want my military to end the enemy and break things. That's their job. But I thought it was winning hearts and minds. Their job is not to win hearts and minds. Their job is not to shape the culture and social strata. That's not their job. Their job is to win war. And you don't win war by putting your pronouns in your bio. You don't even, you don't even accomplish what you want to accomplish. Because when you do that, you know what I see? I see people that I'm just not going to agree with. I see people that don't agree with me. And I see people that probably don't like me. The same thing I see with Nevermind. Make that joke off the air. Wow, we've got a lot of Neverminds today. <laughs> Fired up. He's pumped. Fired up. I want to thank Senator Greg Hembry for joining us on the program today to discuss the uh, medicinal use of marijuana legislation, S-423. And we'll keep you guys updated on that bill, plus the Help Not Harm bill in the Senate next week. There's a lot going on next week, a lot you need to be aware of. We are drawing... Oh my gosh, can you believe this, Mitch? I'm about to say these words. We are drawing closer and closer to crossover. And... <laughs> I thought you were about to say baseball season. Well, but. no, we're in baseball season, but you know what it is? Congratulations, you guys made it to March. Happy March Madness to all of you who celebrate. And if you don't, you should you should because it's fun. Uh, so enjoy the weekend. The weather should get better uh, oh, after this Friday because it's, it's pouring rain right now in downtown Columbia. If you want to subscribe to our newsletter, you can do it. PalmettaFamily.org, that form is down at the bottom. Do that if you want to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get those. You can do that. Leave us a five-star rating and review there as well. We greatly appreciate it. Share it with your friends and family. We appreciate that as well. It's because of you that we are the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. If you want to keep us on the air, we'd encourage you to visit palmettofilmy.org slash invest. Invest in the work that we're doing both over at the state house in communities across the state. And of course, uh, using those uh, investments to have this show the fastest-growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. For Mitch Prosser, our entire team of Palmetto Family, I'm Justin Hall. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you Monday on the Palmetto Family Matters Show.